Think of a time in your life when things went better than you thought they would. For me, the first example that comes to mind is a few years ago when I went to a sushi restaurant for the first time. I had really low expectations, but it turns out I love sushi and it was an incredible experience. Now, let's look at the opposite. Think of a time when you participated in an activity and things went worse than you thought they would. For me, an example is when I went snorkeling a few years ago. Now, I love snorkeling, but as I got into the water, the water was so cold, I was really disappointed and actually did not have that good of an experience. Now, if you think about it, snorkeling in an exotic location is definitely a lot better than eating sushi at a restaurant. But because at the sushi restaurant, my expectations were exceeded and they weren't met with snorkeling, I actually had a better time eating sushi than snorkeling. So what can we learn from this? Researchers have written that momentary happiness is a state that reflects not how well things are going, but instead whether things are going better than expected. And also that lower expectations make it more likely that an outcome will exceed those expectations and have a positive impact on happiness. This is a really important point. I think all of us have had experiences where we looked at a recipe online and we wanted to create something really beautiful, but ours did not turn out the same way. There was this incredible cake, it looked perfect, but ours did not match up at all. There's an expectation that many of us have that can actually lead to more harm than good. The expectation is that if I keep the commandments, things will always work out in the short term the way I want them to. And some of us may have gotten this expectation based on some verses in 2 Nephi chapter 1. In chapter 1 verse 9 we read, If they shall keep God's commandments, they shall be blessed upon the face of this land. And in verse 20 we read, Inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. Some form of this promise appears 20 times in the Book of Mormon. If you keep the commandments, you'll prosper in the land. How did that work out for Lehi? He's been so faithful and diligent. He left all of his riches behind. He left in a tent. He's moved his family to the promised land, and now everything is going perfect for him, right? Actually, no. In this same chapter, Lehi speaks of the anxiety of his soul. He says, my heart has been weighed down with sorrow. I exceedingly fear being brought down with grief to the grave. Think of it, anxiety, grief fear. Lehi experiences lots of difficulties even as he's keeping the commandments. And I think in that way, Lehi can be a great role model for all of us. The expectation shouldn't be that if I keep the commandments, things will work out exactly the way I want them to, because life is just challenging. I love what Sister Sherry Dew taught. It's not living the gospel that's hard. It's life that's hard. I'm deeply touched by Lehi, who even though things were not going well for him, he was able to hold in his heart the love of Jesus Christ. Lehi tells us, The Lord hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have beheld his glory, and I am encircled about eternally in the arms of his love. Think of that phrase. What does it feel like to be eternally encircled in the loving arms of Jesus Christ? Even in the midst of incredibly difficult times, Lehi was able to feel that love. And if we think about it, he's not alone. Abinadi, Samuel the Lamanite, Mormon, Moroni, 
so many other good men and women have experienced difficulties while they were on the Lord's errand, but still they were able to feel that love of Jesus Christ. Lehi goes on to teach, Redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah. He is full of grace and truth. The Holy Messiah lays down his life according to the flesh and taketh it again by the power of the Spirit, that he may bring to pass the resurrection of the dead. Yes, a lot of things can go wrong in the short term, but as we keep the commandments in the long term with the eternal perspective, we will prosper in the land because of Jesus Christ. So later today, someone might say to you or to me, why do bad things happen to good people? Or I've worked so hard to keep the commandments. Why is my life falling apart? Well, sometimes bad things do happen to good people. We see this in the life of Jesus Christ. But my testimony is that as we keep our focus on Jesus Christ and have that eternal perspective, even in difficult times like Lehi of anxiety, fear, and grief, we can feel eternally encircled in the arms of Jesus Christ. It's a reminder to me that Jesus Christ is enough. Sometimes we think, well, it's Jesus Christ plus finding my eternal companion. No, that's not what it is. And it's not Jesus plus a really good job. And it's not Jesus plus my kids doing good things. Jesus Christ alone is enough. And I think there's something in Lehi's example that we can do that will help us focus on Jesus Christ and his tender mercies. In 2 Nephi chapter 1, we read that Lehi was rehearsing unto his children how great things the Lord had done for them in bringing them out of the land of Jerusalem. He spake unto them concerning the mercies of God in sparing their lives and how merciful the Lord had been in leading them to the land of promise. This reminds me of the title page where Moroni tells us that a key purpose of the Book of Mormon is that we can remember the mercies that God has given us. Lehi is a great model, even in difficult times, of rehearsing the great blessings that he's received. Now, sometimes there might be difficulties in our lives. It might be like a Where's Waldo puzzle where we can't even figure out where are the blessings that I've received in my life. But I know that if we look we will find those blessings. There's so many blessings that we have, and sometimes they're ones that we might not have even considered. For example, I remember one time as a full-time missionary, I was teaching a man to pray. So he was offering one of his first prayers, and he said, Heavenly Father, we're grateful. And then he said, I'm grateful that right now we're not being chased by lions. I thought to myself, what? I have never heard anyone say that before. But then I realized, you know what? Somebody somewhere in the world right now probably is being chased by a lion. I'm glad it's not me. He saw a blessing that I had missed. Recently, I went with my family on a humanitarian trip to Uganda where we were helping native Ugandans create clean water sources. It was so humbling to walk with them to their old water source. Now, I knew that it would be a mile walk to their water source but I anticipated that the water source would be a clean river where they would dip in a bucket and walk back a mile to their village. But that was not the case. The watering spot was basically a dirty mud hole. And as I watched these people from the village that I had grown to love dipping in their buckets, making this long walk with dirty water, I realized I am so grateful for water. It's a simple blessing that many of us take for granted. 
as we approach the village, I'm going to just share a little video clip. See if you can hear the joy in people's voices as we came to help them with their water project. Even with the new water supply, it's still very difficult. The people in the village, now they only walk an eighth of a mile instead of a mile, but they're still carrying of heavy buckets. I started to think about all of the faucets in my own house and how I had never thanked the Lord for the faucet in the garage or the faucet in the laundry room. Truly, we have so many blessings. Sometimes even the things that are hard in our lives can be blessings. Perhaps I feel like, oh, I'm so busy, I have too much to do. Well, what a blessing that I'm valuable, that people want me to help them with different projects. Or maybe a person feels stressed because the children need help with the homework or being driven to this place or that. Well, one day those children will grow up. And what a blessing that I can spend time with them today. We've all heard the hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. Scientists have noted that if you write down three things you're grateful for, for 21 days in a row, you rewire your brain allowing your brain to actually work more optimistically and more successfully. Your brain starts to retain a pattern of scanning the world, not for the negative, but for the positive first. I took this invitation to write down three things every day that I'm grateful for. Now, to be honest, I've missed a lot of days, but as I've done this, it's built a spirit of joy in my heart and gratitude and remembrance for the things that God has done. Now, we'll dive more deeply into 2 Nephi chapter 4 in our next class, but I want to take a moment while we're talking about rehearsing the great things God has done for us to look at part of Nephi's psalm in 2 Nephi chapter 4. He's going through a very difficult time, but in the midst of this, note what Nephi does. Nephi says, God hath led me through the wilderness. He hath preserved me upon the waters of the great deep. He hath confounded mine enemies. He hath heard my cry. Angels came down and ministered unto me. Can you see how Nephi is literally counting his blessings? If we go back and read 1 Nephi, we'll see that the events that Nephi is talking about here, they actually occurred. He's rehearsing to himself the great things God has done for him. Nephi says, if I have seen so great things, why should my heart weep? I love that Nephi is able to focus on the positive. He's counting his blessings even when things are difficult. Recently, I saw a powerful example of this in my life. I was talking with a dear friend. She's a mentor. She's a little bit older. She's probably in her late 70s, and she's lived an incredible life. She raised a beautiful family. She's worked as a religious educator. She's written several books. She's done so many wonderful things to build up God's kingdom. She and her husband recently got back from serving a mission, and after her mission, she developed cancer. It was a very painful, scary process. And as she was recovering, she thought, this has been the most challenging time of my life, but things are getting better. Unfortunately, they didn't. Shortly after this, her daughter was killed in a horrific way. And then it was discovered that her husband had committed some terrible crimes, and so he went to prison. That caused her to get a divorce, to move out of the neighborhood where she'd lived for several years. Her life fell apart over the course of just a few months. As I talked with her the other day, I was so filled with faith in Jesus Christ as I heard her say to me, God has been so good to me. 
and I honestly found it a little hard to believe that she could feel that way in spite of what had happened to her. But as we continued to talk, she actually referenced Lehi. She said, I feel encircled about with the arms of the Savior's love, and I have never felt more love from him. Truly, even in difficult times, we can feel close to Jesus Christ. Elder Joaquin E. Costa in the October 2023 General Conference shared examples of people who have gone through difficult times. But what I have learned from all these people is that facing Jesus Christ is what gives us the energy to begin the journey. Sometimes we may think, I need to fix my life before I come to Jesus. But the truth is that we come to Jesus to fix our life through Him. I hope that everything is going perfect in your life right now. But if you, like Lehi and so many others, are experiencing grief, sorrow, fear, I pray that we'll be able to turn to Jesus Christ, to run to Him, to focus on Him, and to feel eternally encircled in the arms of His love. Now, let's turn to 2 Nephi chapter 2, where Lehi is going to teach some incredibly powerful doctrines, including the atonement of Jesus Christ, the fall of Adam and Eve, and agency. In 2 Nephi chapter 2, verse 19, we read, After Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit, they were driven out of the Garden of Eden. And as a result, in verse 21, we read, All people were lost because of the transgression of their parents. Now, we might think, that's not fair. If I had been Adam or Eve, I would have never partaken of the forbidden fruit. I could still be in the Garden of Eden, munching on some grapes or papaya. It'd be wonderful. But actually, Lehi tells us that this was part of a greater plan. He says, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen. But he would have remained in the Garden of Eden. And all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created. And they would have had no children. So without the fall, you and I wouldn't even exist. That's one of the reasons I love so much verse 24. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. God was not taken by surprise with the fall. It was part of his plan. And any inherent unfairness because of the fall is more than made up for through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Lehi tells us, I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. I love that phrase. He doesn't say you're redeemed because of your own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer. When I was younger, I wanted to check a lot of boxes and to make sure that I was doing everything that I was supposed to do. And of course, obedience is important. But ultimately, we're saved not by our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The I also says, redemption cometh in and through the holy Messiah, for he is full of grace and truth. Over and over again, Lehi gives us this message of the importance of Jesus Christ. He says, no flesh can dwell in the presence of God, save it be through the merits and mercy and grace of the holy Messiah. He shall make intercession for all, and salvation is free. For me, the phrase, salvation is free, is a reminder of why I choose to do good things. It's not to prove that I'm valiant. It's out of love and gratitude for a Savior who has already done so much for me and freely given me so much. So because of the fall, everyone's lost. But through the atonement of Jesus Christ, everybody has the chance to return to God. Where does that leave us? It leaves us with agency. 
Ultimately, you and I are free to choose what we will do and where we will go, both in this life and in the next. Now, let's take a look at a little analogy to help us explore four aspects of agency. These aspects are opposition, law, knowledge of good and evil, and the power to choose. Imagine that I offered you two cans of beer. Which would you choose? Well, really, you can't exercise your agency in the true form of the word here, because if you have to choose between one can of beer and the other can of beer, I'm not really giving you a choice. One aspect of agency is there needs to be opposition or opposing choices. Lehi taught, it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things. If not so, righteousness could not be brought to pass, neither wickedness. Now imagine a similar situation where I offer you a can of beer or a can of lemonade. Now which would you choose? But imagine that there's no eternal law. There's no word of wisdom that designates alcohol as being a wrong choice. While technically you can still make a choice, you can't exercise agency in the fullest extent. It's like when you go to the grocery store and you're trying to decide between Cheerios and rice checks, you're making a choice, but maybe not exercising agency because there's no eternal law designating which is the correct choice. Lehi said, the law is given unto all people, and if there is no law, there is no sin. Now, same scenario, I offer you a can of lemonade or a can of Bud Light, and let's imagine there is a law designating which one is right, but you don't know about it. You're like a little child. You know, little children, they don't know it's wrong to sit in the sink naked or color on the wall or kiss a pig. Little children don't know good from evil, but we do. Lehi taught, we are all instructed sufficiently that we know good from evil. This is the third aspect of agency, a knowledge of good and evil. The fourth is the one that we probably think about the most. Let's imagine this scenario. I offer you a can of beer or a can of lemonade, but the can of lemonade is on a high shelf, so impossibly high that you can't reach it. In this case, you can't exercise your agency because you don't have the power to choose the lemonade. Lehi said that God gave unto man that he should act for himself and said, act for themselves and not be acted upon. A critical part of our agency is that we have the power to choose what we will do. Now, think about these aspects of agency, opposition, law, knowledge of good and evil, and the power to choose. If you're like me and you grew up in the 1990s, you might remember that there's an incredible seminary video involving a Ferrari that teaches these principles really well. And I know what you're thinking to yourself, wow, I wish I could watch that video right now. Wish granted, it's online and I've linked to it on the course website. Agency is so important that you're probably not surprised to learn that Satan opposes it. Lehi tells us an angel of God had fallen from heaven Wherefore he became a devil, having sought that which was evil before God. And because he had fallen from heaven and had become miserable forever, he sought also the misery of all mankind. Have you ever been in a really bad mood and wanted to make everybody around you feel miserable as well? That is Satan's perpetual state. He wants to ruin our lives now and forever. And a key part of that strategy is his attack on agency. This strategy is not new. In the premortal life, Satan tried to destroy our agency. The Lord said, Because Satan sought to destroy the agency of man, I caused that he should be cast down. Satan's strategies have not changed. He is still attacking our agency. 
He does this sometimes in blatant ways by trying to get us addicted to things. But he also has subtle ways, ways where he can try to trick us into making excuses around these different aspects of agency that we've been talking about. Consider a few examples. There was nothing else I could do, suggesting no opposing choices. Or it wasn't really wrong, suggesting no eternal law. Or I didn't know, suggesting no knowledge of good and evil. Or she made me, suggesting no power to choose. Culturally speaking, we live in a world full of attacks on agency. It's everywhere, all around us. Even, and I say this in a lighthearted way, in Disney movies. Do you remember from the movie Frozen, where Elsa sings, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free, suggesting no eternal law? Or how about Taylor Swift's lyrics, look what you made me do, suggesting no power to choose? Or from One Republic, I feel so right doing the wrong thing, and I feel something so wrong doing the right thing. Now, I'm not trying to offend any of my Swifties out there, just pointing out that it's challenging. We are swimming upstream, culturally speaking, to focus on agency, to realize that we do have the power to choose. There are eternal laws. We know what's right and what's wrong. And so when we have these opposing choices, we can choose the right. For me, thinking about these individual aspects of agency has actually been really strengthening. When there's a time and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm not sure what's right or wrong. Maybe it's a gray area. Well, this is a great opportunity to more carefully study God's law. Or if I think to myself, well, there's nothing else I can do. Really? There's always a choice. So as we think about these aspects of agency, it can strengthen us. We can remember we have a knowledge of good and evil and we have the power to choose. All have become free forever, knowing good from evil, to act for themselves and not to be acted upon. Wherefore, everyone is free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men, or to choose captivity and death according to the captivity and power of the devil. Now think about those opposing choices. Choose liberty and eternal life, or choose death. Which would you prefer? The choice is obvious. That's why Satan's job is to make good look bad and bad look good. As Elder Paul V. Johnson taught, the only way Satan can sell sin is to portray it as something it isn't. He has to convince people that evil is good, or in other words, that sin is right, that momentary pleasure equates with long-term joy, and that sin leads to freedom and happiness instead of to bondage and misery. He also throws in the idea that good is evil and that righteousness is bondage. Satan is a master at marketing. He has been at it for a long time, but the foundation of his marketing scheme is always lies. So don't be tricked. The choice is simple. Choose life or choose death. As we read Lehi's concluding words in 2 Nephi chapter 2, I hope that we can really let them sink into our hearts. Imagine that Lehi is talking directly to you and me. He said, Look to the great mediator and hearken unto his great commandments and be faithful unto his words and choose eternal life. Don't choose eternal death, which giveth the spirit of the devil power to captivate, to bring you down to hell, that he may reign over you in his own kingdom. 
Now, before we conclude our discussion on agency, I want to share an insight with you from Elder David A. Bednar that's been really helpful for me in thinking about the freedom that I have to choose. He said, I have been frankly puzzled as I have listened to members of the church say, I have my agency. I don't have to live the law of tithing or the word of wisdom. I don't have to be chaste. I would suggest such individuals do not understand the doctrine of agency. You and I exercise agency in the making of a covenant. When we enter into a covenant with God, we voluntarily surrender a portion of our agency. And the consequences that come from violating the covenant are not within our control. It is not simply a matter of freedom to choose. Rather, it is a matter of becoming covenant breakers. Think of the song, Choose the Right. It does not say, choose what you want when you will. Agency is linked to a course of choosing the right. That is why we have agency. For me, considering the connection between covenants and agency has been so helpful. For those who have made a covenant at baptism, or in the temple endowment, or in a temple ceiling, we realize that we have so many choices in our lives that actually are made simpler by just keeping our covenants. There's a hundred things that we'll have to decide in the future that basically boil down to, will I keep my covenants or not? As we choose to be covenant keepers, it strengthens us in following Jesus Christ. A member of our masterclass named Debbie recently shared a story with me about how covenants helped her choose the right in a difficult moment. This was the 1980s, and she had had the opportunity to be an occasional guest on a television show. And finally, she got to the point where she was invited to make a pitch to the executive producer for some more ideas for the show. This was a really big deal. So she's in her first big pitch meeting. It's a crowded room. She pitches three ideas. They're all accepted. She thinks this is amazing. Let's listen to Debbie tell us what happens next. She's going to refer to the executive producer as EP. Well, EP turned to the next person, but paused a second and then turned his attention back to me and quietly demanded, Debbie, say this word I would never say. I was stunned. All I could think about in the split second I had to think was that if I didn't say it, my short TV career would likely come to a screeching halt, and that would be that. Say la vie. I also remembered who I was a covenant-keeping daughter of God and member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Everyone knew I was a member of the church, and I could tell they were all wondering what I was going to say, but I didn't wonder. I had never said that word before, and I wasn't going to say it then, not to keep a job, not to look cool, not to be one of the home show family. I knew I had made a covenant with God to be a part of his family, and I knew that nothing was more important than that. So, although I thought of a much better reply the next day, I simply said, I'm not going to do that. Again, he demanded, Debbie, say. And again, I said, I'm not going to do that. A third time, he demanded that I say that word. And finally, I replied, you'll have to fire me. Without missing a beat, he turned to the next talent and asked for her pitches. The meeting concluded and everyone filed out of the room and that was it. Nothing more was said about it. As I walked out of the room and headed down the hallway to gather my things and catch what was probably my last ride to the airport from ABC Studios, 
one of the line producers walked past me and whispered, way to go, Debbie. So you may wonder how my story ended. I lost my job. After completing the segments that had already been approved, I was never asked to participate again. But the interesting thing is that the show was canceled three months later and the producer who whispered, way to go, Debbie, facilitated an audition for me with another production company that resulted in my being able to continue to work in the industry for the next 15 years. I testify that as we take our covenant seriously, we will be blessed with power to withstand the evil one, with godly power that only comes through keeping our covenants. And I share that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Debbie is a powerful example of how when we anchor our agency in our covenants, we are blessed. As we exercise our faith to follow the Savior, we will feel encircled about in His loving arms, even in difficult times. I hope that you and I will remember that it's good to talk about the love of the Savior. It's good to read chapters from the Book of Mormon. But remember that Joseph Smith said that we draw closer to God by abiding by the precepts of the Book of Mormon. I hope that we'll act on the things we've discussed today, that we'll find ways to strengthen and fortify our own actions and agency. And I hope that we'll rehearse the great things that God has done for us, that we'll remember to focus on Jesus Christ and the loving kindness he shows to each and every one of us.